are back. We are back. Welcome, everyone, to Match Point number nine, a tennis bets podcast. I'm your host, David E.J. Berger, one of three hosts. Actually, one of these times I'll nail it right off the top, the the correct intro. <laughs> you can find our show handle at MP9Tennis uh, on Twitter. If this is your first time listening, chances are that's how you found us. Welcome. Hello. If you're a returning listener, a returning champion, hello. With me, as always, uh, right off the top here is Derek, my number one tennis talking bro. Derek, Derek, hello. What's up, everyone? Happy New Year. we got three tournaments on the slate this week, so... Yeah, let's talk about it. And joining us once again, the man, the myth, the tennis betting legend himself. If you bet tennis, uh, especially if you look for picks on Twitter, you know this guy. He's John Reed. You can find him at GR Tweets Tennis. You can find his own brand at Tidbits Tennis. He writes for the Action Network betting expert Hammer HQ. John, thank you for joining us once again from the delightful country of Canada. Mm-hmm. It's cold and rainy it's january so i mean that's what you expect but hey can't complain and speaking of that we got canada america coming up in the world junior hockey championships tomorrow tomorrow night so little rivalry um for uh for any american hockey fans who happen to be out there listening to this tennis podcast tennis betting podcast (laughs) it is a a little bit of a mini rivalry i think oh it is (laughs) yeah men's and women's all right, well, we're here to talk about tennis, so let's get it going. Let's recap. Uh, we're actually back on the mics pretty quickly after last time. Only day—I mean, days—not even a week has gone by since we've we've dropped the podcast. Pretty impressive uh, return by us. Uh, quick recap: as we are a gambling podcast, and you know, you want to have some account accountability up in here. I'm also going to put out there that I think I'm going to do what I did last time. And not do uh, the deep dive edit and just get this baby out, which I thought was fine last time. I will do the deeper edits as we go on, but uh, I got to get going. Because another reason that we're here, actually, is I'm going to Las Vegas. So I wanted to reconvene ahead of that to go over these matches to get some bets down on these. That's another reason I'm not going to do a deep dive edit on this. So uh, quickly recapping, though. From last time, we hit Wu over Umber, which was great. We hit QB on the first set over. He had a couple of those, but laid that out there against Bublik and Warinka. Kuzmanov over Bergs. And then, John, I, I tweeted this out from the account. Uh, your Bergs take uh, played out in real time last night of a guy just playing needless third sets and getting hurt. <laughs> and then he went uh, and fucked around and lost the, uh, the, the match outright to... Uh, world Stefano Sacalaridis, world number <laughs> eight hundred something. <laughs> People were hyping Jeez. up Bergs at the end of the season, man. And anyway, uh, I mean he's talented as hell, bro. He's t- telling you, he's so talented. He's just man. I don't know what the hell's going on. Apparently, there might be some COVID issues there. Um, that's like hearsay, though. So don't put too much into that. Uh, but we did lose with our movement chasing plays on Team Montero. Pospisfield needed another match to flame out. We had him losing in round one of the qualities. He needed he needed one more. And <laughs> then Alexi Poprin uh, surprised us, surprised everyone. Uh, that's going to pivot us into the Adelaide one draw talk because one of the big headlines there is Poprin's big win over FAA. Holger Runa also lost to Yoshi Nishioka. I mean... It, it, what what are we Fans. taking away from this? 
Go ahead. I mean, don't forget Andre Rublev lost yeah. as well from a set and break up to RBA. So, like, I think, what, four of the three of the top five or six seeds, three of the top four seeds maybe, out in, like, ex- like spectacularly quick fashion. I kind of liked RBA in that match, though, to to be honest. Oh, I, I, I had I had a big bet on Rublev minus two and a half. You could say I was tilting uh, <laughs> when I woke up. I did, like I was sleeping, so but I woke up and I was like, "Oh, damn, he lost." Weird. Then I went into the point by point. Oh, oh, he was up six four three one. All right, cool. Yep, that that works. Oh, he was broken for forty love with his serve on a hard court by RBA. Okay, sure. Yeah, all right, Andre. Works. That works. Classic Rublev. Uh, by the way, I don't know if anyone saw his uh, Instagram post where he re- released a very um, emo uh, bring everyone together video, and then he signed off as Rublo. He goes by yeah, Rublo. That's his new, yeah, that's his new company, that's his, right? That's his brand. Yeah, he he left was Nike. it Nike or whatever his clothing clothing sponsor was, and he's got his own clothing brand now. Interesting. Rublo. Mm-hmm. Well, Rublo, Rublo is <laughs> 0 and 1. <laughs> We're calling it Rublo for the rest of the season now. Rublo is 0 and 1. Um, too funny. Uh, Runa, I thought, you know, he came out pretty sharp against Nishioka, and I tweeted out uh, actually to um, to someone else. I was like, pretty impressive, sharp start against a, a tricky player uh, in Nishioka. And then Nishioka, this guy is a pest. He's a menace. He he's oh. relentless. Uh, Runa then went back to the, uh, the the championship kit that he wore to, to the to end of the season. Made a kit change. Uh, did not help. Uh, went down. He actually got broke Nike gear. That's why, man. He needs to wear some Rublo. <laughs> yeah, he got, he's got to get some Rublo in his life. But yeah, you know, he he went down a break, then leveled, and then got broke again, which was. I mean, if you bet Runa live, you were probably tilting pretty hard after he was down a break. Um, FAA losing to Poprin, that was pretty surprising. Anything to, I have a note here, anything to, you know, these guys had big end-of-year runs. Runa, of the two, didn't really have an offseason. He was playing Exos throughout. Is there anything to maybe fading these end-of-year run guys at the top of the season who don't really have a, a long off season or a break, a step away, a recharge, if you will. FAA also played a ton of matches, even if he didn't have quite the off season exo schedule of Runa. He still played like way more matches than ninety nine percent of players on tour last year. There has to be a lot of money involved for these guys to do that. Like they both played the entire indoor hardcore season. Right. And like, so for them to play in December when it's okay, guys, you both have been playing and winning for two and a half months now. Take a breather in December and get back to it in January. And they're like, now we're going to the Middle East and going to keep there has to be prize. And I, I mean, obviously, there is just a ton of oil money there. Sports is like how they kind of massage their image. And so, like, I'm sure they got paid really well to go to all those different events. But geez, I just think it's a, an interesting schedule choice for both of them. Yeah, even Kyria said during that EXO season that he's getting paid six figures for each event. Mm. And then um, I bet you like Nadal gets like seven figures just for showing up and showing his face, you know? And then and Djokovic was at World T- Tennis League too, I think. Like they were forking over cash. Yeah, for sure. It's just a money grab. And Kyrgios freaking didn't even win a single match during those EXOs. Like he didn't <laughs> give a crap. <laughs> but um, yeah, those guys kept kind of trying during those EXO ga- uh, games as well too. And then 
So I don't know. Yeah, there it might actually play into this whole thing. Cause like even look at like RBA, like that guy was getting tired at the end of last season, and then he took that month off and then beats freaking Rublev right out of the game. Yeah, Rublev was on that XO circuit. So I don't know, something to maybe pocket for the start of next mm-hmm. year. Look for some spots on some just take a you know half unit, quarter unit on some long shot dogs. I think Popperin was plus six hundred uh on the on the outright money line outright money line so something to keep in mind Djokovic Cruz in his first match against Lestien I, I mean is he a podcast favorite we like him we, we've, we've we've talked up some Lestien on this podcast before and uh, we also mentioned that we're going to start seeing him a lot more on the main tour uh in 23 and already dealt his first loss but uh but he's on the main draw so there you go Corda kicks off uh, 23 with a nice win against Andy Murray Good start for my quarter top 20 uh, prediction. And then I bet we talked about this was uh, on the ATP betting specials episode. We did a few back. Uh, We had Andy Murray outside the top 50. Good start for that as well. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if it was a bad start, he would have made up for that. He's defending points, right? He was defending a a finals run. Did he lose to Evans? Who was he lost to? Uh. Yeah, well, that was the Sydney one, which I guess is not. Which is this? You know. It's like the same calendar week, right? They they since it's gone because they're hosting United Cup. Uh, he either they either drop next week or this week. They drop next week, but those points are dropping for Andy Murray before the Australian Open, and that's what a hundred and something seventy points, I think, or somewhere in there. Uh, that'll drop him all the way down to like sixty something. Good, get out. <laughs> there you go. Shoot. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's transition into the remaining draw talk. We got some picks. We got some lines. I'm going to be at Circa in Las Vegas. If you're if you're out there, you listen to the podcast. You want to say hello? I'm doxing myself right now. Go ahead, <laughs> find me. Um. <laughs> um. Anyway, um. I got we got some lines up. We can go kind of we can go over. Uh, we can also just go over the main draw. But we have a match. If we record, no one's really going to listen to this before it comes out, but I would love to to get both your take on this match. It's about to happen. This Jack Draper versus Karen Hatchinoff. Draper coming in as a minus 140 favorite. These guys met at the USO with Draper retiring. Am I correct in that one? I don't remember. Um... Hold on. So, well, yes. Minor attempt acting up, but uh, correct. Yeah. I am right. Uh, yeah, he, he was down six three four six six five. Hotchnoff leading. It was a super tight match uh, before he retired. Yeah, I kind of lean Hotchnoff here. I don't know why. <laughs> I should have if I'm going to be touting a, a pick. I should know why. But Draper coming in at minus 140 against, you know, Draper didn't even win the next gen on indoor hardcore, which is like his thing. I kind of need Draper to sh- to show me he can beat some of these top guys. Even if you want to say Hatchinoff is not a top guy, I would throw him in the bucket of uh, of top tour players that I want to see this guy get some wins against uh, before making him a, you know, a minus. This isn't a pickup. He's minus 140. It's getting up there. Uh, it opened on the a pickup. Worth it, noting. Yes, yeah, so it's it's gone the other way for um, Hatchnoff as, as a dog. So 
I would say the value here is on on hatching off of the dog and what I would consider a, a pick a match. It's going to be a lot of you know serving. So yeah. and and Draper man, I, I watched that kid a lot last year. This kid faces a lot of break points, a lot of break points. And so I, I you mean that you mean relative to his serve or or yes, like he's got this big serve yeah. that's his thing, but man, he gives up a lot of UEs or he double faults or he does something to put himself in a position where he's got to get out of it with that big serve. And I could see that playing out here today. I know people hate Hatchin off too, so probably also why Draper's a, a trendy pick. But um, go ahead. Yeah, it's just sorry. Go ahead, Derek. Oh, okay, I was just gonna just uh, say that. Obviously, they're both known for their serves, so I would just stick with the over. Would you feel comfortable with that? Here's the thing Where's about the, the over on this, though. Where is it? Uh, it's twenty three. No, oh, yeah. it's only a tick up from kind of the neutral twenty two. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing about the overs: we have been seeing some tie breaks, um, but not as many as I would have thought. A lot of guys are getting getting broke. Uh, I think with getting their legs back here. Uh, at, the, at the top of the season. So uh, I don't know, man, that the totals, if I were like, cause what do we say? We, we, on our last time out, we picked a, a first set over and then it was the second set that went to tie break. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if, I feel like it maybe was the Pospisil match actually or something. Anyway, um, I haven't seen, we have seen the tie breaks, but they're not coming as frequent as I would have thought so far, especially with, you know, the speed. And I think these balls actually, are a bit quicker for the, the the big servers as well. So I will say one thing about a set over in this match. One, I do think uh, David's totally on, on spot with Draper can get really loose sometimes and Hachinov's the same way. They can both almost give away service games with stupid shots, you know, incredibly dumb on four stairs, that kind of thing. And the other thing too, is they're, they're both athletic. So they both can like, they have return chops to them. They're not, serve bots and so that worries me as well with set overs um in this like i hit vavrenka versus her catch last night mainly because neither is a good returner and both have been huge servers if you look at vavrenka's actual serve statistics going back um you know the last six or seven matches on hard courts and on quicker hard courts he has been really good like he did not face break points uh, against bublik there was a match three or four prior to that he didn't face more than one bit break point so I think that's what you want to look for with these quicker courts. Like you want quicker courts, you want big servers, but you also want to make sure neither is like overly athletic where they can make, you know, freak return shots too. And I think Hatchinoff and Draper could both do that uh, to screw a first set over in this spot. Should be a fun match either way. Again, just wanted to talk it out a little bit. Uh, I think Eileen, and I think the the value was on, on Karen, but uh, if Draper won, I, I would kind of no play this myself actually, but and and for the listener, you'll you won't be able to to play it uh, off this podcast. So um, let's keep it moving to some action. You might be able to. That's Yoshi Nishioka who got the big win over Holger Runa. He's coming in as a minus one fifty favorite against the American Mackenzie McDonald, who's plus one twenty five on the money line. The Spread is two. We got 22 and a half as the total here. So these guys, uh, the books are thinking this might trend up in a set or two um, with that half game. Interesting matchup here. 
obviously Nishioka has been playing way better tennis over the last uh, six months or maybe even longer than McDonald. Uh, but these courts should suit McDonald's game uh, with, with the quicker pace. I personally am not someone that uh, is fading Yoshi ever again. <laughs> <laughs> ever? <laughs> I, I, he was my no. I, I hate. I tried to pick on that game guy all last year, and he just made me pay over and over and over. Really, starting in Washington last year, where he made that run uh, to the was it was he in the final of Washington? Um. Uh. Oh, the yes, semis. he lost to Nick Kyrgios. No, no, he final. You're right. As uh, he beat Brooksby, Demonar, Hachinov, Evans, Rublev, all as an underdog. Five underdog wins to reach that uh, final. And then he won Tokyo. Or not yeah, Tokyo. And, and think like all this guy does is cover as a dog. I mean, he won outright those five times in Washington. I think he pushed Kyr- that Kyrgios match. It was either four and a half or five and ended on five. In Montreal, he covered against Felix. Um, a retirement at a challenger. I don't think he covered against uh, ADF. So that's one out of there. And then he had like one, two, three outright dog wins in Seoul. He covered his favorite match against Tarot Daniel. Uh, he covers against, or no, he, he was the favorite against Kichmanovich in Tokyo. I mean, other than the Corda match in Antwerp, like he covers against Fritz in Vienna. He covered against Alcaraz in Paris. Like this guy is just, he finds ways to keep matches close against the best of the best. Oje Aliassime. Uh, Rublev, Hachinov, Demonauer, all these guys are top 25. Uh, Shapovalov, Rude. How? I don't know. Alcaraz was close. Fritz was close. It's nuts, man. I just, and I don't, I watch and I just don't know how he does it. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with this guy's matches because the game is just not big enough for me to justify plays. But he always covers. It was Seoul that he won, not Tokyo. Fritz won Tokyo. Derek, any uh, Yoshi thoughts? Yeah, like looking at this matchup between these two guys, they they're very similar games, as and they just both have like really good core coverage. And just like thinking back to the, it's like exact opposite of the matchup of like um, hatching off and Draper, or hatching off. What was it hatching off and, um, yeah, Draper. And it's just like these guys are just going to run all over the court, like all over the place. So I don't know. I would probably just stick with the over as well, too, here. But dude, Nishioka has really pissed me off before. It's like I don't even know whatever side to, to bet him on. Like I've taken him before that one time at the U.S. Open when he played Andy Murray. He was up two sets and then he freaking blew the whole thing. Um, So I don't know. I typically stay away from him. I honestly typically stay away from Mackie McDonald as well, too. I mean, what has Mackie McDonald done in the last calendar year plus for you to just, take him as a, a short dog in this and not just push <laughs> except on the, the bet uh, Nishi at minus 150? I, I feel like he should be actually be a higher favorite. This guy's on fire. I think it's I think it's a pretty fair line, honestly. I think just because Mackie, like Derek said, has some decent rally tolerance, so he's not just going to be able to sit and wait for those errors. Plus he plays a really flat style. So even though he doesn't have a ton of power because he hits a, like a flatter forehand that takes time away from Nishi as well. I know his defense is elite. He'll still get there, but if Mackie can, you know, slap a, a flat forehand inside out, force Nishi out on the stretch, uh, hits a defensive ball back 
Mac and Mac, he can come in if need be. I don't think, I don't know if he, if he does it that often, but I know he can. Uh, and then come in and kind of put a volley away. But there are routes to victory for Mackie McDonald. There's always a route to victory against a pure, almost a pure pusher like these shield kids. Just no one seems to take them easily, uh, which is always tough. But I don't think he should be a massive favorite. I think minus 150 is probably what right. All right. Well, I, I think I'll, I, I'm going to lay the two games and bet on Yoshi tonight and then just be pissed when he doesn't come through for me. The the one time I actually chase him. <laughs> and All he right, won't that, watch like that. That'll be exactly what happens to you. Like the one time we trust you. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm just going with the uh, inertia and uh, I, he has, he has it. <laughs> He's in motion. Uh, you know, if Mackie's going to get something kickstarted tonight, then so be it, I guess. Um, Medvedev owns Kashmanovich. Uh, in Los Cabos, I was so hot on the four or four and a half, whatever that was. And then Kashmanovich took him to tie break in the first set. He had the guy on the ropes, blows it, loses that set, and then gets creamed in the second set, six one. <laughs> Uh, a better defeat there. Uh, he also beat uh, Kashmanovic on clay uh, in 2022 as well in, in straight sets. Uh, the line that was, was the more five. surprising one, to be honest. Yeah, Medvedev obviously does not like the effing dirt or whatever he said that one time. <laughs> Dogs playing dirt or something. something. Anyway, uh, it, it, the, the line is five, and he's minus 650 on the spread. The Games total is down to 20 and a half. Any hope for Kishmanovich in this matchup? He had a great start to last year, Kishmanovich, and that started in Australia. So he also ducked Djokovic, which helps uh, that start. <laughs> but but uh, any hope for, for, for Kishmanovich tonight? Well, the odds makers have no hope for him, giving him five games. Okay, so I was thinking about taking the five, right? I mean, Medvedev did not look good in the first match against. He was Sinega. he was playing level with Sonego on a hard court. That's not a good not a good sign. Like Sonego had a bunch of set points that Medvedev had to save. Um, granted, love they forty, were, right? Yeah, like it, granted, it was love forty, all, yeah. And then like the game before that, he like almost freaking blew that one too. But granted, all those set points that Snego had were on Medvedev's serve, but he saved them all. But the fact it is that he had to save them. And then he gets bailed out by Snego getting cramps in the second set. So, I mean, he's not playing well, if you want to use that as an example for 2023, but still five games. It's a lot for him to cover. It seems like I would just ride with Ketchmanovich. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Well, I thought that five games was a good look with Edmund versus Sinner last night, and mm-hmm. it was not. So I don't know. They, it seems like they're laying these large numbers out there, and guys are covering them, quite frankly, so far. So in terms of you know the bait and switch by the books, you, you see that five, you think it's a good number. I don't know, man. I I might just lean with Med here. Uh, yeah. I don't know. John, what do you think? I am not a fan of betting Medvedev matches anymore. I just, it, it's so hard to get a, like a true number to to put up against what the books are releasing. Kachmanovich is also a guy who can be absolutely throttled, but 
other times, like he just looks so good. The first serve is clicking. The forehand looks strong. He's got the movement down. He's defending decently. These are two guys I just like to avoid. Uh, I, I am, if I were to take anything, I might, I might check like 15 Canadian dollars. So for America, that's like 10 bucks, 12 bucks yeah. on like, uh, Kechmanovich money line just for like shits and gags, right? Like I'm not talking about any serious bet sizes, just a, a few bucks from, uh, an account that has like X amount plus $12 in it, round down kind of deal. But, uh, yeah, I'm not saying go hammer it. I'm not trying to give, I'm not trying to say it's a plus EV play. It's probably a D-Gen play, but that's about it. Yeah. I think Medvedev has something to like against Australia, to be honest, too. I mean, they were just like chanting or yelling at him last year at the AO. And don't forget, this is where his little boy dream got lost last year, too. Let's keep it moving in the same portion of the bracket with the match that'll be tomorrow where I'll be able to lay a bet at, Cir- well, not at Circa. I got to go to William Hill across the street at mm-hmm. Binion's, but uh, Shapo taking on the Russian civilian or however you say his name. He's minus 230 on the money line, laying three. These guys played once last year and it went to three at the ATP Cup in Australia. So a little bit of uh, you know, short sample size, but uh similar conditions, that's for sure. And uh Cephalian has one more match under his legs on these courts than Chapo does. Chapo pulls out a you're not gonna believe this guys, but he took three sets <laughs> to, to beat Rinky. Uh, Hajikata, who uh, if anyone listened to our last <laughs> podcast, uh, John is not a fan of. Um, <laughs> so I actually thought that uh, the the plus games with Rinky was a pretty good look against Shapo, just because all opponents against Shapo with the plus games is a pretty good look. Um, man, I I think Shapo's going to pull this one out, and, and the three is very short because they're obviously, you know, booking him like he's Shapo, but uh, but yeah. I don't know. I think I kind of like Shapo laying the three here. I, I I do think he's shown improvement to end 22. He's a little bit more trustworthy. Obviously, toss out last match where he did not cover, but... Um, <laughs> toss out like the one that just happened. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, Rinky is a little bit more of a, a baseliner. He actually can like cover the court. He's not going to face that with uh, the Russian guy who's just going to be leaning on the serve and kind of firing out of a cockpit yeah no i agree with that he's uh he's got a, a more ideal opponent <laughs> in in safield who's going to give him some errors rinky's just not going to give him errors so you know that's what chapo does when he's hitting well he can blast through guys like Rin- rinky Ejikata, and when he's committing a ton of errors he's going to lose sets badly which also happened right six two i think that first set to, yeah. to rinky yeah All right, well, that kind of covers that top portion of the bracket, Natalie. Is there anything stopping a Novak Medvedev semifinal in this thing? Yeah. Not now, with all the top guns gone. <laughs> um, and I obviously, I think, do we, are we all in agreement? We think Novak's probably going to run this thing out. Okay, so here's what my thing is. I think <laughs> Novak plays 250s instead of going for like a light jog or something for the day. <laughs> <laughs> and then he he kind of just like loses a little bit early. I mean, he won a 250 last year. I remember towards the end of the season. Um, Tel Aviv, yeah. 
Yeah. So it's, um, I, I mean, it wouldn't obviously be surprising if he won and obviously wouldn't be all that surprising to me if he were to lose and you just kind of using this as like a warm up tournament. Well, he's got, you know, Medvedev and center on the bottom half, I think are the, the top threats. Um, Dude, that on- bottom half is like a joke now that like Runa and Felix are out. Yeah. yeah. It's not great. Not great. All right. Well, let's pivot over to the bottom half because we have some lines up for that. And this is a match that's going to take place uh, tonight as well. And that's uh, the hottest man in Australia right now, Alexi Popperin, coming in as a minus 130 money line favorite against the American Marcos Giron. Somehow, Giron is a player we talk about a ton on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Guy's always around. He's plus 110 uh, on the money line. The, the game spread is only one. So, and the total is at 23. Uh, I did watch Giron versus Gasquet in a match. I kind of thought Giron would, would lose, uh, and he pulled it out in three. And I have to say, it was a really fun match. And it was a pretty impressive match for Giron in my book because, you know, Gasquet is a player that makes you play a lot of balls, and Giron, not the most consistent player uh, in a rally, and he battled. Point point by point, and he got there. So I, I'm, and he also looks like he, I think I said in our chat, it looks like he might have hit a cycle with intermittent fasting. He looks a little slimmer. <laughs> so, um, he's got like some sort of like, uh, he's got some facial hair deal going. Um, <laughs> Giron always, uh, has some sort of look. He's kind of like, uh, he reminds me of, like Dean Kane for some reason. <laughs> what? He's <laughs> <laughs> got like Dean Kane vibes. Um, that said, I, I kind of like Giron in this match. Um, even though, you know, if you want to stay in the flames with Popperin, I get it, but Pop, uh, taking Popperin as a favorite is just not something that even with these two big wins just can't get on board with. I'll, I'll, I will take Giron, the more consistent tour player as a dog all day, every day and live with the result personally. Yeah, I wrote this one up for a betting expert. I'm on the other side of you there. Um, I got Papira minus 118, so obviously I liked it better at minus 118 than I do now. I think anyone obviously would. No one's like, I'd rather minus 130. Um, But I don't know if I'd go past like 130 to 135. Like this is starting to get towards that uh, limit of where I'd play Papira, and I think he could still probably justify a play. Look, I think I'll just summarize the the write up for um for the article. I just think that Papirin's serving so well, and he's playing super well. And I, I watched the match against Wu Yabing. That's a tough match to come through. Even when Wu was giving him free points and, and bailing him out, the fact is the way he gets to balls and the shots he can hit on the run that is all that's imp- that are like impossible to defend against. Papirin just stayed focused, landed his first serves kept dictating with his forehand. Occasionally, Wu went, you know, was sprinting on the run, smacking defensive shots into back corners. That's going to happen. Instead of getting upset and saying, oh, you know, you know let it get to his, into his head and then kind of collapsing, he was able to just be like, all right, next point, first serve, off we go. And he held serve consistently. Nice job against Felix. And the big thing for me here is, look, Marcos has a sneaky good serve and he's got that point construction. He, he prefers quicker surfaces. Those are are all going to be positives for him on this court and preparing not the greatest returner. But if I asked you who's going to have, who's going to put more pressure on the other guy's serve, like on a consistent basis, I'm going to say Papirin is going to put more pressure on, on 
Garone, the way that he has been not only playing his serve, but his forehand looks so much better so far this week than it did at any point last year. So for me, I think because he's going to apply more pressure, that makes him more likely to break or more likely to break or more likely to win, especially in these quicker conditions. So I've got him uh, around. My number is around minus 140-ish to minus 145. So I think you got a bit of value there. I like it. I like the both sides. Um, We need more both sides on this podcast, I feel. It's good. Good, good, good. Cover all the bases, you know? People can have the different angles. I love it. Derek, any... Popran or Giron thoughts? No, I like that little mini feud that you two just had right there. So I'm <laughs> going to take neither of your guys' sides, and then I'm, <laughs> I'm going to think that make it feel like neither of you guys uh, are going to win this argument. But we'll find out when uh, the results come through. It should be an exciting match too, because both of these players uh, also will play a lot of tie breaks, and um, and it could come down to that in this one. So both are pretty battle tested in tie breaks as well. All right, well, let's keep it going with the match that I will... Another match I'll be able to bet on uh, tomorrow, which is Yannick Centerling three and a half games against Kakanakis, the Australian counterpart to... He's the PB to Kyrgios's J, uh, if you will. He's uh, his... Uh, I was about to do a Ninja Turtles reference, but there's four of them, not two. <laughs> So it doesn't really work. But his best bud, um, not afraid to not, not afraid to show um male affection to his friend, uh b- between friends with those guys. Center is minus one thirty five on the money line. Kakanakis is plus two sixty. The total is at twenty two and a half. Kakanakis uh beat Cressy in the first round. Uh obviously those guys of course played some tie breaks. <laughs> um and uh, Sinner, who I watched last night, I thought he looked pretty good uh, against Edmund, gets the cover uh, as well in that match. Sinner, I thought, was uh, moving pretty well off injury, ended the se- season with a uh, leg injury, and came out uh, pretty mobile, athletic, actually. But, you know, typical Sinner, though, I feel like he gets up and down the court decently it's the the side to side gives the guy issues because he's built like a giraffe um i this one's a tough one because obviously kakanakis is a different player in australia at home uh big server these these courts suit him uh center is a guy that i'm hardly ever on the right side of um you know my initial take would be three and a half is incredibly light and i would hammer that <laughs> but the fact that this is in australia and the crowd uh will be definitely which the crowd's have been you know pretty good pretty uh pretty vocal at these tournaments so far um we'll definitely be, be backing the, the kakanaka side so um i still think i lean center minus three and a half here center two oh under 22 and a half. I just, I just don't think Kakanakis has a return game for someone like Sinner. Um, but Sinner also, I don't know. He just, he might miss. He's, he's prone to missing at times. So I don't know if anyone has uh, any takes on this. Yeah, no, I'm with you well, on that. I don't know. I would side with Kakanakis, to be honest. I would actually go the opposite way, but just um, with the, oh, Australia crowd on his side and yeah, his return game isn't great, but I think he's pretty decent at holding serve and he's the king of tie breaks, the king of getting to tie breaks. I should say, 
not necessarily the king of winning tiebreaks. So yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like he's going to keep it tighter than three and a half games. It's not just an Australian crowd either. It's an Adelaide crowd. Like this is a hometown crowd. Yeah. He's from Adelaide. And last year he won the second Adelaide event. And, you know, it was, oh my gosh, Tanasi does it at his home event. And he's beating players like Chilich and he had great wins. He even went to the semifinal the week prior. So like, man, this, I think he's like nine and one now in the last two years in Adelaide. There is some sort of narrative at play here that is working because after that last year, he was awful except for like, I guess he did well in Miami where that's where he beat fed all those years ago too. Like he loves Miami. He loves Adelaide everywhere else. He was pretty, let's, let's say plain, let's be kind and say he was pretty plain. Uh, although that's, that's probably being generous to his performances elsewhere. I also just can't back Sinner, man. Every time I back this guy, he cannot find a return game for the life of him. Whenever I oppose him, he just becomes like Novak freaking Djokovic. And he has like these reaction backhands off 180 mile an hour serves. And he's just like, oh, I'm just going to stick my racket out and hit a perfect winner down the line. Like that's just Yannick Sinner when I bet on him or against him. No, I know. I'm with you though. I do think that number should be a four. I think he is legitimately four games better. And you can cover a three and a half with a single break. If yeah. you get center serving first in either set, three seven six is a, like I I completely agree with you. I just can't bet it. Uh, here's the thing too is like with a three and a half is you can get uh, a tie break win in set one and then a single break uh, six three in the next one and and cover. Right. So if he serves first in either either set, it's you only need a single break. But I just I don't know how to price that narrative into my number. You know what I mean? Like. That the Kokonakis part of things, where I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. He plays better there, and he's like he's just all about playing in front of that home crowd, all about like that energy. His serve just seems to play up, and and so what if he doesn't get doesn't give Sinner anything on his in his service games? I just don't know how to price that into my numbers. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna step away from this match, like not get myself in trouble here. <laughs> it's true, you know the thing about center too is he looked pretty good you know first match out post uh injury um and then you know this is definitely a guy who randomly looked great the first time next time out suddenly (laughs) the injury pops back up out of nowhere you know it's funny i heard um not to make a comparison with the nfl but like you know, it was a big fantasy football weekend last week. And it's like, can you trust Teddy Bridgewater if you wanted to play him in like uh, as a QB two or something, or even in DFS? It was like, I don't know. This guy just has, you know, when he gets in there, he has a a long history of getting hurt. <laughs> and then what happens? Popped up with a, <laughs> a freaking finger injury, uh, has to go out of the game, and Skylar Thompson has to come in. So, I mean, center is a guy that injury could happen at any time. Uh, as well, so that's something you gotta take into account. Um, even if he did look good first time out, um, so maybe that is a stay away. But I, I don't know. I, I'm probably gonna be a little uh, tipsy come uh, serve time tomorrow, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like yes. there's gonna be a yes. strong, a strong unit bet fading uh, I, By the way, I, I actually um, last. <laughs> Last time I was at Circa, where I famously changed the culture there by making them put Tennis Channel on the the big screens, uh, <laughs> incessantly asking them to do so uh, over the course of two days. Kakanak um, <laughs> <laughs> was um, there in uh, Los Los Cabos. It was the uh, of twenty twenty one. 
Um, so this will be uh, uh, he, he's my guy apparently to watch uh, when I'm in Vegas. Hmm. Um, <laughs> he stunk, by the way, in that match. <laughs> See, not Adelaide, not Miami, not good. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else do we got here? All right. Well, we got to round it out here. Well, we have Novak laying six against Halis, which I think is you know. Halise isn't a great returner, but he is a serve guy, and these are He's, serve yeah. courts. You know, I mean, 18, like, is the game's total? Like, this is a <laughs> lot of disrespect for Halise, who I think is a player who is decent. I mean, I don't think that he's, like, a world beater, but he's certainly not a scrub. He's certainly not a scrub. Um, yeah. I mean, six holds is more than fair against Novak, right? I would think so, right? I think that's probably I, – I would honestly – I. I think in men's tennis on quick courts, minus six sounds absolutely nuts, especially with a guy who's like borderline top 100 with a good serve. I think it's fair, man. I really do. I think like I give Hali credit to hold serve five, six, or seven times against Novak. <laughs> and I don't give him credit to break Novak a single time. So like minus six is like, damn, that sounds nuts. But yeah. What do yeah. you think? About the under 18 I could get with, uh, I mean, six, three, six, three. I'd rather I'd rather the just in case Hali somehow like has inspiration for a set, I'd rather the minus six. I mean just in case I, I'm going know. plus six and a half. That's insane. He's definitely gonna hold <laughs> <laughs> like I mean that's a just a completely disrespectful line. And not like I mean to Derek's point, Djokovic is trying to get reps in, you know. He's not trying to get out of there quick either, you know. He's trying to like do some stuff knowing he could probably beat this guy. Well, here's my other thing, too, is Novak at these 250s, I mean, he did win Tel Aviv, and he wanted it. I think he's starting to see that title race. Like, you know, he's got the slam race in his mind, but, man, he's not all that far off. I think, like, Rafa and even Federer in the overall titles race, I think he's going to these 250s like, man, if they're going to pay me to come here, he used to be beatable there. Best of three, I don't know the motivation levels. If he's, like, how, even if he wanted to bail out, like, where do you bail out? Like, Ruplev, Ogier, all the guys you could, like, theoretically just not try against that have the game to beat you are gone. Like, <laughs> everyone's just abandoning Adelaide. And it's like, I think Djokovic is like, shit, I'm going to be stuck here till Sunday. Like, I can't lose to any of these people, even if I tried. I could play left-handed and beat these people. <laughs> like, <laughs> Certainly, Halis. All right. Uh, well, let's keep it moving, because uh, this is a pretty good one to talk about, because it's at pick. And that's another one I can bet on tomorrow is Korda versus RBA. Um, Corda is coming in at minus 120. Uh, RBA is even on the money line. The spread is one. It's 22 and a half. I'm going to ride with my my guy Corda, especially with, yeah. you know, obviously RBA summoned, you know, something inside to come back and beat Rublev, but he was supposed to be out. You know, he was, as John, <laughs> John is more than aware, uh, he, he came back <laughs> to win that match and you know, I was listening to the um, the other the Bet Rivers podcast with uh, Nigel Seeley and Sean Calvert, and uh, they were pretty impressed with. I didn't get to see this match, but they were pretty impressed with how Corda played uh, his first time out. So I'm staying on brand. I'm back on my guy Corda in this match. Obviously, he could uh, suck, but <laughs> or blow it. He's a he's a he's another one that will be up a, a set and a break against RBA and and freaking blow it. That's um, why I'm not betting it. <laughs> but I, I think I'm going to be back in my guy Corda um, tomorrow. Uh, 
I, 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 I don't know. I just feel like he's he turned a corner. If if he didn't like he he did go to a tiebreak with Murray, but then he handled handled him, you know, and he got out of that in in two sets. Murray's a tricky player, um, even in his you know metal hipped old age. Um, Corda, I just I don't know. I kind of believe in him. RBA is very uneven right now. I'm not letting uh, Rublev is kind of one dimension. We we talk about it all the time on this podcast. We did a whole d- discussion about it on his over under ten about why we think, you know, he might finish outside the top 10 this year. And guess what? He lost his first match of the year. So, um, Derek, any Corda RBA thoughts? Yes. Yeah, I actually watched that match last night. It was up very late. Um, he was spraying some unforced errors in that first set, uh, Corda, that is. And then he had a very competent second set. Um but I think I'm leaning RBA just a tiny bit. I, just because I think the, that one month off kind of helped out that old man's body. He's all nice and rejuvenated. And because he was like drifting at the end of last year. So well, he does well in Dubai, right? Where the the courts are fat, a little faster. You, you wouldn't think that he's like a fast court guy, but he kind of he trends. Uh, oh, he well. is, man. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Yeah. RBA is the rare guy, rare Spaniard who has like one of the first ones. Not it's not so uncommon anymore. Um, but it when he was starting to excel, it was odd for for a Spaniard to 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 prefer quicker courts. Grass, Wimbledon, he's had some really good performances. Right, Dubai, right. medium fast. Yeah, he he is. So that's one thing to note here too. Yeah, so I'm leaning RBA just a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to be remotely surprised if Corda wins this stuff. Look for some great baseline rallies. That's the only thing I got to say on that match. These two, uh, with Corda's ability to hit, to, to like hit nice, big, powerful ground strokes and RBA counterpunching and able to go down the line and redirect pace, that could be a real kind of cat and mouse game back and forth. Should be a lot of fun to watch if you're up um, or depending on the, the time of first ball. Uh, I don't think that order plays out. I think that's tomorrow, um, tomorrow night. So I, I don't know when that's going to go, but... It's definitely one to watch. And I think that RBA has a chance for a couple of breaks because Corda for his size, not the most powerful or kind of uh, imposing serve. So I think RBA can work his way into some Corda uh, service games. Likewise, you know, the other way around for Corda. Uh, and you should see some great baseline rallies. So this should be a fun one to, to watch as a tennis fan as well. Just to kind of play out the the bottom half here, you know, center we think is going to be Kakanakis uh, if he doesn't kind of breaks open for a, you know an RBA or Corda with that bottom half only being Nishioka, McDonald, Giron, and Poprin. Um But are we, you know, if we were to rank it in terms of uh, meeting the final with, you know, Novak or Med, likely Novak, um, I would say it's probably center. And then I'm going to go Corda. And then I might go Nishioka. Wow, man, how how much has that bottom half just completely collapsed? Yeah. In terms of like quality. Holy cow. One of these four. No, guys no disrespect is to the guys the that are quarters. like yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Like no disrespect, but <laughs> one of them has to make the quarters, which is pretty funny. <laughs> I'll take Popier in there. Actually, you know what? No, I, I'm with no, I'm taking that back. I'm with David. I'm going Yoshi. I think Yoshi has that. <laughs> yeah tricky annoying game to piss popular and off and he returns well enough to kind of like somewhat 
um, neutralize that huge serve. And once he gets him in a longer rallies, like he's just going to pick on that backhand with his spinny lefty forehand and, and watch him sail backhands all day. I'm with, I, yeah, I'm going Yoshi to come out of, to go to the semis from this quarter, from the fourth quarter. All right. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll pick Popperin to go to the quarters. I, I know you say, you say Popperin? I think his name was Popperin. Popperin, Popperin. I don't know what it is. It's Popperin. I, I looked it up on the ATP then. website, okay. by the way. Yeah, I'll, I'll oh, pick Sinner. Okay. Yeah. I'll pick Sinner to go to the final, though. But I mean, I butcher names all the time, so I whatever. And I feel weird correcting people because I also completely murder names. So, <laughs> um, I looked it up on the ATP site. He he. he well, I mean, wh- that site says like Corante Mutet, and I'm like, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I'm like ninety percent sure that his name. No, is, his like, name is Mute. pronounced Mutet. No, it's Mutet. Yeah, that's yeah. another one. I feel like he's trolling by pronouncing his name that way. I I think they all anglicize it, man. I think they're they're anglicizing it on that site. So I don't know. Maybe it is. <laughs> I just as someone, I like. I would never look at that as someone who speaks French and be like, oh, yeah, it's Corante Mutet. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm just an idiot. Well, I mean, I these, we're getting these, derailed. There are they do say their own names, so I, <laughs> I <laughs> I'm going to believe the player on their own name. You guys just want to do Adelaide and call it, call it quits. <laughs> I mean, I feel I like. I mean, do you want to do this Runa thing? I feel like Runa is like a tournament. Named Puna or Puna. Puna. <laughs> <laughs> Named Holger. after Holger, he's got Holger. his own tournament. tournament, and that he's not even at. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like Puna is like just some tournament where like all these guys had a layover on their way to Australia, but then they missed their flight. So they decided to have a freaking tournament instead. I definitely don't want to go through the Puna draw. That's for sure. I don't have anything. I don't have any plays either. Like other than a first set over between Van Reithoven and Karatsev. Not even that because Karatsev well, is so John, you were, I mean, we before we even hit record, you had a good case for if you could find a, a Chelich future out there still at a, a pretty. Oh, it's, no, it's down to plus 300. It's that's plus still decent. Like, I, like your, I like your, I like your, I mean, this is Chelich's to lose, Puna. I'd rather go United Cup than, than Puna, to be honest. All right, let's punt Puna. Sorry, my back is itchy. Let's pump Puna. Let's go United Cup, where I would like to start by saying I am completely vindicated for betting uh, Berrettini versus Rude at the U.S. Open based on <laughs> <laughs> Berrettini beating him uh, yesterday at the United Cup. Uh, that makes no sense and is completely irrational, but I don't care. I feel better about, about my backing of him uh, in that match because uh, it played out. That was the match that was supposed to happen. I don't know. We'll never know what Berrettini did the night before uh, the USO. I was going to say <laughs> the biggest match of his life, but it, he's made a slam final, so it wasn't. It was like third or fourth down on his, the biggest matches of his life, but it was still a pretty big match, and he was out partying with Ford models, I think, till about 3 a.m. before that. Um, but we do have some United Cup. Obviously, the big one uh, is Fritz versus Nori. Um which is happening uh, pretty soon in about three and a half hours. I don't know if someone's going to make it here before that, but Fritz is minus 175, laying two and a half games against Nori. That seems like all the value is on Nori to me. Man, but Fritz is, you know, I was listening to tennis podcast, and I guess Duckworth, again, uh, we uh, as <laughs> on our last podcast, I definitely 
confused Millman and Duckworth. But one of those guys tweeted out that the balls they're using uh, in Australia uh, should favor a player like Fritz, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, so Fritz obviously having a lot of things go his way in terms of the, you know, the balls and the surface uh, in this United cup. We also took a big, Oh, I also took a big L. We didn't talk about this on the, the recap, but uh, obviously Zverev is not the player that I thought he would be by going out there, I guess just fade all tennis players coming off injury. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From now on. Um, yeah. Fritz Nori. And then we have Sitsipas Chorich, a classic matchup. I love watching these guys play because Sitsipas, uh, he'll get up and then Chorich will battle back. Or, you know, it's it's obviously Chorich famously beat him at the U.S. Open a couple years ago, fending off seven match points to, to do so. Now they're they're meeting once again. I think Sitsipas has a win against him since then. Um, well, the thing, too, is... Chorich does bug Tsitsipas. I mean, he he has a three to one head to head, and I'm not a huge head to head handicapper, but ask yourself why. I mean, the the one Tsitsipas win, by the way, the one was five years ago in Rome, and it was a retirement with Tsitsipas four one up. Since then, Chorich beat him at the U.S. Open in 2020, beat him in Cincy 2022, beat him in Vienna 2022. All close matches, but again, Tsitsipas is a, a, a sizable favorite. It's the backhand. I mean, it is Borda Chorich's backhand is elite. Stefano Tsitsipas has a shaky one-hander. And, you know, Chorich's serve plays up on medium quick courts in Vienna. It plays up on quick courts in Cincinnati. It plays up on medium fast courts at the U.S. Open. Put them on a slow court. I think Tsitsipas will will exact his revenge. But if you, if you see them when they play on quicker courts, Chorich has historically been able to, you know, since City's not the greatest returner on quick courts, he can find holds a little easier. And then if he can get into longer rallies and get to the backhand side, he can win those rallies on a consistent basis. It's why you're seeing him pull, like sneak out these really close wins against uh, Stefanos. And these are quicker courts. Now he's being bet like crazy, right? Everyone's seeing this 3-1 three, three, and hammering Chorich. I think he's down from like plus 205 to plus 150 or something like that. I got him plus uh, But I think that's the yeah. reason why. That's the reason why you're seeing that kind of line movement. I mean, how do you not like George in this matchup at, at that price? I have to say, but you know what? I mean, at two and a half though in games, I mean, Sissy Boss has been playing pretty well. I, I, it's not like he's um, out there laying eggs um, or, or giving dead performances by any stretch of the the imagination. So I don't know. It's it's a tough one. I I, I would say this. Do you what do you do you feel like this is a three set match? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I'd say yeah. And then maybe you find a an over two and a half sets bet, and and just don't take a side, just bet the set over, uh, something like that. And, and also, the because the, they have it at twenty three games, so they're thinking there's going to be a lot of games. Um, I mean, it, that's down to plus one forty, by the way, over two and a half sets from plus one fifty five. Interesting. What do you? What I mean. Sissy Paz's dad is the coach of, of Team Greece too, so it's like I mean it's gonna be a lot of the same, a lot of sameness. Is it for... his? Is it his dad or brother? Either way, it's one of them. I watched his dad uh, with that guy that beat Bergs last night. Yeah, I thought so too, and I thought I saw his dad earlier in the week, but apparently he named because the 
the best player, the top ranked player gets to name the captain. Like Bublik named himself. Gregor <laughs> named himself. Like, and then Stefanos named his little brother Petros since he passed. But then Apostolos, the dad is out there. Yeah. Like every time they play talking to them, I'm like, what is going on here? Like, this family has always just seemed like the biggest, you know, nagging back and forth with each other. And this week is doing nothing to dispel that notion. Like it's nothing. Yeah. I was at the ATP cup like a couple years ago. That's when he like hit his dad with the racket. Then his mommy came down and grounded him. Oh. What What about Hubie Hercash is a minus one twenty five favor against Matteo Berrettini, who just uh, got rid of a lot of ghosts uh, by beating rude. Um, th- that over under is 24 and I will gladly play the over in that one at even yeah. at 24. I feel so like we're staring down a couple of tie breaks right there. Have you been watching Baratini? I don't know. I haven't. I watched I'm him. Very... I watched him beat rude yesterday. He looked pretty good. Okay. Yeah. I was very curious about that. All right. So there's, there's a couple angles. I love that too. The over under stuff. 24 seems like a crazy high number. If it should be 25, 24 is a good play. And I think that's exactly the situation here. Uh, I had the Hercatch first set over against Wawrinka. We talked about this earlier. When you play set over is what you want. This fits the bill. Again, two guys who are big, huge serves, fast court, and most importantly, they're not the best returners. Plus, I think you're no. getting an overreaction spot here with Berrettini because you're right. He did play one of his best matches in months against Rude. Are we just automatically crediting him with playing that exact same level against Hercatch? And even if he does... The serve is much bigger and it becomes tougher to return. Is that a guarantee he finds breaks in this one? And by the way, her catch is down to minus 105 at Pinnacle. That's just a crazy overreaction to me. Like, I'm going to be on her catch there at minus 105. I'm looking at other books um, that I use. You're still seeing like minus 118, but like it's come way down from uh, the open of minus 130 uh, earlier today at about two o'clock this afternoon at Penny. It has been bet from minus 130 to minus 105. Like to me, I'm that's excessive. That's a little bit excessive um, with crediting Berrettini off one decent returning match against a not small server, but not as big a server as Hurricatch. I just don't know how we can just jump out and be like, "Oh, he's back," and you can get plus two forty by the way on the tiebreak. If if you if this goes to a tiebreak, mm. the first set once every three times, long run, you're profiting with a nice little margin there. So again, I'm I'm with you on all these overs. I'm going to lean Berrettini myself, actually. Uh, if we get those tie breaks, uh, her cash has not been a great tie break, tie break player uh, of late, although he, you know, he historically has been pretty good. But man, I've watched this guy lose a lot of tie breaks. And Berrettini, he, you know, he's Derek calls him extra gear. And then literally, I was listening to a t- tennis podcast where David Law called him extra gear as well. So, I mean, obviously. <laughs> You know, it's, like people who watch tennis, tennis you know, they kind of have a takeaway of this guy being, you know, pretty good at tie breaks uh, to, to pull that out. So I don't know. I kind of lean Berrettini and, and uh, I just, QB is a player that I don't think I want to back him. I like him. I think, I just don't, I think that he is not, um, I don't know. Not, neither of these guys, I feel like have a ton of tennis IQ. They kind of rely on their natural ability and the <laughs> <laughs> but, but I don't know. I'm leaning Berrettini on this one, staying in those flames off the big rude win. I actually kind of, if it is going to be two tie breaks and I consider those all coin flips, then minus 105 is not really all that. There's no edge there, right? Because you're just, you're flipping at minus 105. You're not, uh-huh. in my mind, those are, those are flips. I mean, sure, bigger, like they both have huge serves. 
I don't have an edge either way there. So maybe I'll just stick with the overs and not get involved in trying to pick a side on what is likely to be a bunch of seven, five and, and seven, six sets. So I'm with you there. Uh, thanks for uh, talking me off that one. I'll just, but I will be on the overs. I will be on the set over for sure. Well, if you want to stick to your side, we could both sides at, uh, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I like the both sides. I like both sides. And anyway, Francis Siafo laying two and a half against Daniel Evans, who's had a pretty good, both these guys have done pretty well in uh, this tournament so far. Tiafo is minus 175 on the money line. Evans at plus 145. Big foe getting a lot of credit here. Man, he's getting booked like the you know the guy that made it to the semis of the USO. Dan Evans, obviously, though, uh, a tricky veteran tour player who could easily win this match. You could argue the the value here is it on 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 the dog side. I mean, do you trust Tiafo as a minus one seventy five favorite against Dan Evans? Okay, when I first saw this, I was about to ask you guys if you think that paying seventy five cents is actually worth it. Uh, here, I think so. I mean, Tiafo's been ripping at this tournament. Dan Evans lost to uh, um, our boy McCluber. Oh, he did. Okay, uh, yeah, I missed that one. So now he had a, but he had another win though. I thought he has, yeah, he has a win. He, yeah. He must have a win if they're, they keep moving on uh, or they're, they're out or are they in? No, they, no, this is the, this is the, the advanced um, stage. Oh, okay. This is like a next round. Got yeah. it. Sick. Good for him. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'd still take Tiafo here. Definitely. I'd even like yeah, almost like pay minus one seventy five, but minus two and a half games. It's not much either. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Derek here. I think that, um, look, Evans might have a sneaky serve, but Tiafo certainly has the chops um, to find a break here. Uh, I think he probably prefers the the quick conditions just as much as Dan. Um, Dan Evans probably gets more off like grass, quicker grass conditions because of how low the bounce is for his slice. Hard courts probably, you know, he'll, he still likes quicker hard courts, but not as much. I don't think he gains as much from them. And I I do think Tiafu is is a break better than than Dan Evans, which is essentially what this line is. So I, I'm with Derek there. I think I'd lay the two and a half. All right, I love it. Well, that is officially the end of the line with odds that we have up. And I think this episode we obviously punted on Puna. Sorry, Puna. Next next time, <laughs> you're always a weird spot on the calendar. <laughs> next you year, were like, you were the last year. You were like right off the the AO. Now you're like buried against. Two pretty like I mean for a two fifty Adelaide obviously with FAN Runa out that you know changes things a bit but that's a, a pretty top heavy should be a five hundred lineup uh, and then the United Cup obviously is you know they're trying to make this, make this a premier event so sorry Puna next time but if you made it here you like what you heard give us a like give us a subscribe give us a rating a review even find us on most major podcast platforms follow us at mp9 tennis follow john uh, at jr tweets tennis at tidbits tennis follow derek at i always screw yours up derek ferrer versus nagal ferrer versus nagal anyone have any last thoughts i'm just really upset that someone nagal lost in the first round at Pune. that is disappointing <laughs> for those that hey, he uh, put up a good fight he put up a good fight yeah for those that... For those curious why he said that before we even hit record, Derek was like, we we're talking about Puna. He goes, I was looking for Nagal and, and John and I are both like, he already lost. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hey, Phil, 
Phil Krajinovich is not the worst guy to lose to in quick conditions uh, for Sumit Nagal. So, you know, give, yeah. no, he was pretty I'll good at the AT, he was good yeah. at the ATP Cup last year. Actually, Krajinovich. you don't yeah. have to cheer me up, guys. It's okay. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to be in Las Vegas uh, betting on these matches. Uh, if you want to shoot me a, a play, you think I'm, I sound like an idiot, uh, you have any reaction or anything, I'm going to be in Vegas. So Yeah, go tackle him in the sports book at yeah. Circa. Until next time, see you in the court.